Welcome to Channel Waves, the podcast where channel leaders share success strategies, best practices, and emerging trends. Brought to you by Structured Web. Here's your host, Stephen Kellum. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Channel Waves. I'm your host, Stephen Kellum. Very excited today to be talking partnerships, partnership leaders uh, with Asher Matthew, who is the co-founder and CEO of Partnership Leaders. Welcome, Asher. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. No, it's great. Hey, look. And, and, I, and, and congratulations for becoming a Partnership Leaders member. Finally, you know, this is love. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. And thank you for finally showing me the value and providing exactly. me the value of Partnership Leaders so that, so that I could join. <laughs> it is, you know, you know, you know it's, it's interesting, right? So, uh, so I was talking to somebody else this week, right? And, uh, and, and in our history, we started working with a company called Crossbeam, which I think everybody should know, right? Okay. And, uh, and, and we did so much stuff with them. And, uh, and because like Crossbeam needed us and we needed them. And like, there was like, like a very symbiotic relationship. And, and so people for the longest time thought we were the Crossbeam's community, right? And, and then, and then since then Crossbeam's have grown up and like they have much larger ambitions. They have to go create a much larger company, right? And so, so they're focusing on partnerships personas, but also other go-to-market personas, right? And then, and then people like I was on the phone with somebody else, and they were like, "Hey, you know, so how's how's things at Crossbeam going?" And I'm like, "What do you mean?" They're like, "Well, aren't you their community?" And I'm like, oh, "Okay, let me explain to you what we do." And like, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I'm just like, it's just it's so hard to like share information and just make it stick. Uh, uh, but but I, but I, the reason I share that is because the primary value when we started was just to help people understand uh, how account mapping actually works and why why account mapping is great. And then now, where we are is we have nine hundred and seventy eight companies on the network, if you want to call it that, right? And then and then thirty four percent of them are SMBs, thirty three percent of them are mid market, and now thirty three percent of them are like large enterprise. Like with okay. a... not to interrupt you, but I am going to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah, that's okay, that's okay. For me, people like me, that is the value. This is the reason yes. we're talking. I, I think it's fascinating. We're going to talk about the acceleration of all of this, right? Yes. And that thirty three percent of the enterprise and the difference two years really makes. Yeah, and, and it is, and and you, and thank you to you, thank you to let's say Heather Margolis, and thank you to like a few other people that actually gave me this feedback in January, because I clearly remember uh, the the feedback was that hey look like partnership leaders is supporting a lot of the the uh, emerging tech, but what about the tech that needs transformation? Because if partnerships is the future, then there, there's there's a lot of other people that need to hear this message too, right? And and it didn't quite click back then, but then right from that we started exploring what would it take to serve the large enterprise, right? Like we don't have a product for them, and then we also don't want to just show up and say me 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 me, but rather actually like find value for them. And I feel like today we have that, right? And so I I can go into detail for of, of that, but but thank you for inspiring us and you were also there at, at catalyst in miami last year I, I've, been awesome here. I've, been, I've been there since the beginning I, I, exactly you you literally seen the whole journey you know so so thank you for that yeah and look I, I i'm no visionary that for sure but i recognize a good thing when i see it coming and i also recognize how quickly i thought this was going to intertwine and we met two years ago in miami 
you know, I thought a CPA was a chief product officer, right? Yep. Okay, I'm dating myself. I'm not really dating myself. Four years ago, if you said CPO, what, what's a CPO? Yeah, you would have said chief product officer. It's yeah. a chief product officer, right? I still have a hard time writing it out, right? And you know, what is a chief, chief partnerships officer? So maybe here's what I really, the question I want to ask is this yeah. is incredibly disruptive. And for the yeah. channel, is this an opportunity or is this something that angst ever? But don't answer that because I think what yet, yeah. what, because what I think we should go is a little bit of partnership leaders, how it's evolved and what is a chief partnership officer and how does yeah. that fit into this world where we're all seeking clarity and you got channel on one side, you got ecosystems, you got alliances, and they are just yeah. getting so intertwined and people are trying yeah. to figure out what's the difference What's the what's what what's the similarity? I think most importantly, they're trying to figure out where's the synergy, and 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 what do I need to do to, to be a part of it? Yeah, totally. So, partnership leaders exist to elevate partner teams around the world, right? And uh, um, and and we have four distinct offerings today, right? We have a community which can be thought of as a membership association or a network, right? Um, and we were born out of COVID, so we built virtual engagement first, and then we built in-person experiences. So that's one piece. The second piece is market insights. We have seven or eight reports done on topics like the state of partner, uh, partner ops, the state of partner-led growth, which is uh, focused on go-to-market teams. Uh, we have the state of partner experience, the state of co-sell, how do you work with uh, hyperscalers? Um, and, and so that's one part of another part of our, our group. Right. And then the third piece is experiences. We have meetups that are running around the world. Uh, we have our conference catalyst, which, uh, which had 700 people attend this year. And, uh, and then the last piece is we have education, right? So we have self-serve education and we have cohort-based education. And these four pieces in our humble opinion, bring together tools that partner teams can use to elevate themselves. And a lot of partner people are really builders. And so they want to build, they want to go build partner programs, they want to build companies. And so we created a company that literally just supports them. So if there was like a platform for success or partner teams, that's how we're positioning it. And we'll add more features to support them. So that's how we've been able to take the most important things that create value for members and put them together. Okay, maybe you can start with what is a, a CPO in this, right? And remember, 95% of the audience that I reach on a daily basis or that I'm connected with define the channel as selling through versus yep. selling with. Yep. But once again, it's all starting to co-mingle, yeah. but I think you know, that, that's the, that's our. Yeah. Yeah, so, 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 so one thing to emphasize is partnership leaders is not creating any movement, right? Like we are creating a platform to support other people's movement, right? So everything that's happening in the marketplace, we are reading it. We have 1500 members in 42 different countries. So we're grabbing information all the time and we're picking the things that logically make sense and then we're amplifying that right so what we learned in the last two years specifically actually this started at catalyst last year right is that partnerships impact across the customer journey 
became important to realize. And so whether it is the pre-sales process where I believe most of the channel exists, or it's the post-sales process, which is where services and alliances exist, right? Or I know there are some definitions of channel which include all of that too. That's also okay, right? But this new thing that came up, which was technology integrations, which actually focused on the workflow of users, that part of partnerships was even more underserved than all the other parts of partnerships, which would be channels and alliances, right? And so we found ourselves as a home for them first. And then at Catalyst, the whole conversation became about serving the entire customer journey. And it almost became like a chief customer officer role for partnerships, right? Because uh, the customer success team also serves the entire customer journey, right? Um, and, and in some companies, the CRO does that, right? And so what we realized over the last year or so is that there are three or four different types of partnerships, right? And uh, and then there is now a world where they all have to work together, whether they're selling together, marketing together, serving together, or building together, right? And 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 so, but what's missing is a leader who can unify all of them, right? And so because. And the reason why we, we, we believe that is because on the direct business side, there is a CRO who's responsible for unifying SMB, mid-market, and enterprise sales, right? For us, in partnerships, I would say whether you're in the pre-sales process, which is where a lot of channel companies exist, or you're in the post-sales process where the alliances exist, or you're helping with the workflow, which is where technology integrations exist, or you're building large strategic deals to grow companies and provide leverage, like there has to be talent that exists out in the marketplace that can is is an expert in all of them. And so the stats are there are 152,000 CMOs, there are 37,000 CROs, about 27,000 chief sales officers, 10,000 chief customer officers, and I think less than 2,000, let's call it alliances, channels, or partnership leaders that are senior at that level. Well, okay, you say there's 2,000. How many of them were there four years ago? I, I, I don't know. I think, no. <laughs> we, 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 we were so young. <laughs> so this was a hobby, right? Like, like this was a hobby that became something. And then along the way, like, you know, Folks that are super experienced, like yourself and Heather and Jay and like a, a number of people, like Alan and stuff, right? You've all like helped us realize the different things that are important. And so we have built this thing with you all, right? Again, we didn't like build this thing all by ourselves. Uh, actually, almost everything in partnership leaders is built by somebody in our community. And so it's a very member uh, driven, member built uh, organization. And now we're at a point where we are providing. Uh, creating some structure so we can elevate all of those members to the goals that they want. Look, I think it's a great opportunity. When you're talking to someone, and you and I both, we've both uh, been in sales, both yep. been in marketing. Um, I, I've been a channel chief. Um, I've run alliances. And I, I think the evolution was that it was all going to come together. And there was a moment in my brain when I just went, click. Okay, does it really matter whether you're selling with or whether you're selling through? It, it's what is how how does it eventually how does that sale work with the ultimate buyer right and how do we maximize and make that as effective as possible that selling motion 
uh, marketing and actually even the marketing motion too. Cause let me tell you, I, I was involved in alliances uh, or I, I was watching uh, partnerships like seven or eight years ago when you would have two massive fortune 100 companies selling together. I, you you yeah. could name maybe three of them coming together, doing an offering, you know, and the worst thing they actually did was market. And then they, and then at the end on uh, fulfillment and operation side, we were not even talking about the challenges you had in the sales yep. side. They, they couldn't market their way out of a box with a message, right? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's been on, going on forever. It just wasn't done very well. Yeah, and it's it's it, so I've now been through four different startups, and uh, and and two of them were acquired, and one went public. So I've kind of seen a lot of the different iterations of a go to market, right? And so I feel like companies have been working on. Uh, co-selling and like co-marketing with each other for a while, but it still landed in this like arts zone, right? It never landed in this like science zone. And maybe it does in, in larger organizations, uh, but the vast majority of the SMB and mid-market just looked at it as this, this like thought experiment and, uh, and never really put any structure around it. And that's why you don't have a lot of like senior partner people in mid-market companies, even companies that like a billion dollars in revenue uh, don't have chief partner officers or somebody that's aligning all of the different partnering functions together. You know? And by the way, developer audiences are also a channel of sorts. Like you and I were talking when we met for dinner uh, a few weeks ago, where you have a large uh, company that has a consultants network, but they also have an app store. Mm -hmm. And like, there's a big opportunity to bring those two together. But like, how many leaders exist that can actually do that? Type of work. I don't know. I I actually think they're a fair amount. Look, I, I think you could have asked the partners a long time ago in the channel, um, through cell partners, how it would work. And you, you were it's funny, we were talking about this when I was at uh, 360 Ecosystems last week and Chris was there. And we were talking about that this um, partnerships has been going on forever at both yep. levels at both the vendor side they didn't very like i said the new doing didn't do a great job on marketing and yep. probably at the end but at the partner side when i was an msp a while ago i i partnered in 30 percent of my deals already this was 10 years ago yeah um yep. so it's been going on forever and we could have probably just asked the partners in the channel uh like you know okay what do we see where is this thing going and yep. i think both from the software side that you're talking about and development and surely from we have average of four vendors in a deal or more right yep. and then i'm working with two other partners on the delivery by the way the buyer was looking at this over 10 years ago yeah yeah and but but i, I guess to, to the to I know I'm on this podcast, so I should be <laughs> your interviewee, but like I like to do podcasts where like it's a discussion, really. So so why hasn't there been a leader that unifies all partnering functions in the past? Like like what's the what does your data point say or what's your experience say? This is just my take, right? Yeah, and, I, and it's a discussion. We'll do this and maybe just a couple of points because nobody wants to listen to a 45-minute podcast. We can really yeah. <laughs> take two on it. Here's here's my take on it. I think a couple of things. I think the channel is very complex. And I think already the focus of a channel chief has gotten um, so complex just in the channel itself, right? If you look at the evolution of that, where, as I said, 
10, okay, maybe 15 years ago when, when I ran an MSP, 30% of my deals were with someone else. And I had, I could aggregate who, who, what I needed to pull together. It wasn't that complex, right? I just made it happen. And then how people bought started to change. And yep. that whole idea of, am I MSP? We were an MSP and we were ISV. I mean, yep. we sold 40% of our revenue was IP that we put on top of things 15 years ago. So all this started to get more, more complex. And I think the focus was here. And then while the whole Alliance piece was trying to figure out how to get that act together, here, here's what, I don't think the Alliance Act was together all that long ago. Once again, having been involved running an incentive company with multiple Fortune 50 companies trying yeah. to sell something together and, and being the incentive arm on that and watching what they did on from their marketing and how they tried to pull the salespeople together and really how they tried to do it at the end. I watched 40% of the deals get unwound at the end of the quarter. This is on alliances because sales guys that had a multi-million dollar quota were going to wait for the other end to come around, unwound the deal, sold it on their own. Okay. So you got to fight through all that on the alliances. Yep. You've got channel getting very complex. Yep. And I, I don't think it was until the realization was a couple of things. If the buyer is insisting on this, it becomes more efficient. And then I think organizations like yourself, I don't know whether you're reactive or proactive. I think you're proactively reactive, right? You're listening and seeing, and then yep. you guys said, okay, we're going to run with this and you guys can come along. And I think you guys created along with the market conditions and everybody else, an opportunity to pull this together. And somebody goes, ding, all right, why doesn't this fit? And, you know, and then we could talk forever about corporate sure. infrastructure and yeah. how it makes sense and how you need to streamline it and how eventually someone's going to go, what do they have in common? Here, yeah. If there's a partnership, it doesn't matter. What we're saying is we're dependent on a relationship of trust with someone else to create a partner experience that's going to drive the selling motion that's going to allow more sales wins. Yep. Sorry, I think it just set the whole, yeah, and I think this the is whole the reason thing. it exists, right? Yeah, it, 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 at the end of the day, it comes down to sales velocity, at least for me, yeah. right? Like if the sales velocity is faster, direct, let's just go direct. If it's faster this way, let's go this way, right? And so, so uh, I know like a lot of leaders emphasize on like ASP and these other things, but like, for me, it's, it really comes down to sales velocity. And so whichever way is faster, we should go to do that. Uh, and, well, and, and, and customer preference dictates that anyways. Then, right? I, yeah, I think you got customer preference. I think you got sales velocity. I think you've got costs, um, cost of sale, right? Yeah. Let, let's just be really frank. If it was just as cost effective to sell direct as it was to sell through the channel, the channel wouldn't exist. No one wants to add complexity yeah. to a sale unless there is a cost benefit analysis totally. to it, right? So I think it's velocity, but I think there's also, um, uh, I, I think there's, uh, you, you just you just got to be able to do it uh, cost effectively. Yeah, agreed. So, All right. and so, so, so you give the enterprise, let's call it perspective, right? I think in the mid-market and the SMB, what happened is you have leaders, but the leaders did not have the operational infrastructure supporting them. So they're running around justifying their existence when they should be working on moving investment from ad hoc to programmatic. And so there was no operational layer, like the notion of partner operations that exists in large enterprise companies did not, does not exist in mid-market and SMB. 
And, and a so lot of the tech in the, te in the tech stack isn't there for them to do this too. I, look, the reason yeah. we're, we're in the enterprise space is because uh, they've been able to have the resources to create a tech stack that allows them to automate everything so that yeah. they can go focus on other things versus creating a spreadsheet and trying to drive someone's um, ROI or metrics across that, right? And I think that, that's been the big challenge in the, in the mid-market, in the S&B, which I think created an opportunity for people to come along. There's both sides to it, right? I would say the S&B and the mid-market were more flexible because people were less worried about what they can't do and more worried about put there to solve problems and, the, and, and less red tape. Yeah, so so what what happened is like so okay if you if you double click on that right so the, the partner leader then goes and does multiple experiments when there's no lead red tape right and so because they're not focused on repeatability and rigor they're focused on revenue right because they're like go do this right and so what happens is you have 17 different partner types enter the company and then the organization feels the burden of like supporting them it would be the same thing as like 2000 for a startup, 2000 PLG customers came in, SMB customers and five large enterprise came in, right? Like they would feel the burden of like supporting them, right? And so so that then along with the startup trying to understand it's like go to market fit and then trying to understand how to scale, right? Like creates a lot of executive friction. And then when executive friction happens, uh, if you are a board or a C CEO, your first intuition is to remove the friction. And so you're going to have the C, C, your, your sales and marketing leaders there because you have absolutely need them, right? At the, definitely at that stage, right? Yeah. So, 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 th so that, that's, that's what I'm, that's why we did the state of partner operations as a research report. Cause we said, look, like if you don't invest in operations, you will always be as a partner leader, always be, be thought of as an experiment person because you just don't have enough time for stakeholder alignment, which is which should be fifty percent of your time, but we should be getting past that pretty soon, right? I, once again, I don't think partnership leaders exist just to exist. I think there is something very much yes. something said is you, no one wants to be reactionary, but I do think it started as well. There's a negative reaction, like someone comes too late, and there's a positive reactionary, and someone witnessed something. And, and got on it right so i yeah. think i think it, i think it's the positive side of i think no, the it, question is how do you make it how do, was it moved to proactive which finally gets to what we were going to start the whole podcast on totally. <laughs> <laughs> which is great by the way <clears throat> so i want a clip i mean right so i need a clip i need a uh 20 seconds what's a cpo yeah so a chief partner officer for us right now is somebody that understands all partner motions, including marketplaces. Okay. And and that's a big enough job to have a C-suite role, right? Right. And, and, and I also believe this is going to evolve, right? Because when the CRO role started, it became this all-encompassing role, right? It was like a rigid definition that all revenue functions and marketing and customer success and everything that's just customer is going to be there. Right. right. And, and what happened then was, was is it was just that CMOs were more brand focused than demand focused. And so it just made sense to put the SDR team and the demand function underneath the CRO. <clears throat> but then over time, you've seen this CMOs become extremely demand focused and 
start taking ownership of pricing and packaging, right? And so you have this resurgence of CMOs, right? And so I think that's what's going to happen in with the chief partner officer as well. There's going to be a consolidation of the different routes to market, as we call them, right? And then from there, there's going to be specialization. And so we'll have to see. But today, my definition is someone that understands and owns all partner motions, including marketplaces. And uh, and and then we'll see how it evolves. So it's, it's so interesting and fascinating for me because I actually lived this right where I was a channel chief and then owned alliances at the same time. Yep. So back then, being a channel chief and owning an alliance, no one was calling me a, a chief partnership officer because I, you know, once again, CPO was a uh, was a chief product officer. So I've actually walked in those shoes for a little bit. It's a pretty pretty fascinating role. So how did how did channel chiefs now today? How should they view this? How should they look at a CPO? Should they want to be a C CPO? Yeah. How does it fit in on a, an org chart? Like really just get down to the brass tacks of it, right? What's yeah. the opportunity? How do you get there? And do you want it? Yeah, totally. And so. It's interesting. We're about to launch two reports. One is literally called the Chief Partner Officer. It actually goes into exactly this. The, and I'll share some information, but like it actually goes into this topic, right? And we're also about to launch the state of partner ecosystem or platform ecosystem. Sorry, exactly the state of platform ecosystems uh, through with with our friends at HubSpot, right? And so the reason why both of these reports exist is to actually show that in some companies, the channel chiefs actually do own all partner functions. Right. But in many companies, they don't. Right. And in and in, 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 in a number of companies, they actually own a part of the channel. They don't even own all of the channel traditionally, but what we call the channel, right? And so 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 the 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 question then becomes that if you were to elevate yourself to then create a larger organization that is responsible for all partner motions, right? Then can you effectively be, create a bigger impact because all of partnering is managed by one, right? So that means there could be 30 different partner programs, 20 different incentive plans, four different regions, five different geographies, like, like you know, all the things that we have to do on the direct side they have to be done on the indirect side too, right? right? And so, 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 so there. I believe there's an opportunity to do that. Also, what I've what we have seen is not all of those, or maybe a majority of those. I think the data. That's what the data says. Um, uh, channel chiefs report to this CEO, and so we believe there's an opportunity where this group can elevate themselves and start sitting in the C-suite organization and actually build the business. Because if you really think about it, you go all the way to almost all, every partner person that I've met, every good partner person I've met, there's they have two things, right? They're connectors and they're builders. But they don't sit at this table where other connectors and builders or senior connectors and builders sit. So I think they have the traits and they have the, they have the experience and they just haven't taken that step or again, like, so I'm not an expert in this today. Like we're building expertise as we're going. Right. And so, so the next body of work that we have to do is like, why haven't the current leaders taken that step 
or why haven't the CEOs looked at this much more closely, right? I'm sure there were reasons in the past and there's current reasons to, to go look at this, um, but but maybe now is the time to actually do it, right? Again, like I said, we are not creating any movement. We're just picking the things that are happening in the marketplace and then creating uh, uh, taking steps logically to support every type of partner leader. So do you see this accelerate? I was going to ask you the standard ending question of any podcast. So Asher, what does this look like in two years, right? <laughs> and part of it is you guys are reactionary, but I'm sure you have your own thoughts because you're reactionary, but you're even in that you're seeing the trajectory and the acceleration of all these conversations. So my perspective, it's going to look very, very different in two years. And yeah. the CEO's ears are perking up. Here, here's, what, here's what I think is going to happen is because this is going to become standard nomenclature and uh, from Forrester to Catalyst, they're, they're, everybody's talking about this, right? It, it's not yeah, like- They had t-shirts at Catalyst that said CPO now. You know, yeah. so <laughs> you, you know it's, it's close to becoming a meme then. <laughs> it is. And, and uh, look, I, 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 I say this is analogous to AI and it, um, it's not going anywhere. It is only going to accelerate. And there's some great truths out there and there's some non-truths out there too. And everybody's trying to figure out what's the direction and I think most importantly, so many people are trying to figure out where do I contribute, how do I contribute, and 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 how do I actually not be reactionary? I think that's yep. going to be the key, right? How do I take everything I know? How do I leverage yep. people and resources like yourself? And then how do I build my career on this, right? I think that's the interesting side of it. So I yep. see it. I'm an opportunist. I see it as just a massive opportunity for for yeah. everybody. And and I, and I would say to to answer your question specifically, like like I don't actually know where it'll go, right? Um, because the market changes and we've seen we've seen market changes pretty quickly. But what I do know is that our members are working to upskill themselves to be able to take this opportunity if it became available. Right. Now all of us have to come together and drive this industry change, right? But when that happens, we do need leaders that are ready to take advantage of those opportunities because in the mid market, right? Like if you look at companies that are 100 to 200, uh, 100,000, uh, 100 million in ARR to like 1 billion in ARR, there's about 225,000 companies in there. Let's just say 2,000 of them needed CPOs. I don't believe 2,000 CPOs exist today. But again, that just may be me, me, but I don't believe that they exist today. So even if you got 2,000 CPOs, which is kind of the, the 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 promise we made at Catalyst with uh, with our friends from Workspan, right, um, is would be a great achievement. Because ten years ago there were no the the, the ten thousand chief customer officers did not exist. Four years ago, right? So once again, I think I think this is this is moving pretty fast. Okay, so once again, thank you for joining us, Asher. It sounds like you've got a couple of very cool pieces of content coming out. Yeah. What's the best way to get connected with you? What's the best way to get connected with partnership leaders? Yeah. The best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Asher Matthew. And uh, and the best way to connect with with uh, uh, partnership leaders is also through LinkedIn. Just go to our our uh, LinkedIn company page. It's called it's also called Partnership Leaders. And so, um, and uh, um, and you can follow us. And then as you feel motivated to take the next step in up-leveling yourself and elevating yourself in your team, then you can apply to be a member and we'd love to build this with you. Oh, one last thing. You guys do a lot of events. You guys bring people together. When's your next event? So our next event is in uh, on November 14th. 
it's actually in San Francisco. And, uh, and then after that, we have an event in December in Austin to basically close the year out. And then, uh, and then we'll kick the year off with, uh, at ImpartnerCon in February. We announced earlier this week that we're actually building ImpartnerCon with ImpartNer, which is something that again, no community has ever done before, right? Uh, but we believe that we need to provide a lot of connection points for all of us to meet. And then we build, build deeper relationships and then we build, build uh, and put those relationships into action and then we elevate ourselves. Fantastic. So this again, Asher, thank you for joining us. Uh, listeners and viewers, thank you for joining us. Everybody have a great day.